Hello and welcome to Calling All Detectives from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Calling All Detectives. When I kept an appointment in a hotel lobby, I didn't realize it was an appointment with death. That is the situation on this page from my casebook, the casebook of Jerry Browning, Private Detective. A private detective like me, Jerry Browning, never knows where he's headed. Why, I once even made a date with death. It was three o'clock of a Saturday afternoon when I walked into the lobby of the Wingate Hotel. The reason I was at the Wingate was because I had a date with Joey Greer. Joey called himself a salesman, and what he sold was underworld information. That's why Joey made appointments for crowded public places, because there was safety in numbers. Joey'd offered me the lowdown on the brains behind a big hot money ring. The man who strolled over to me was Frank McGloon, the house detective. Until you came in, Jerry, it was a nice, quiet week. Do me a favor, don't start nothing in here. Oh, me? I'm waiting for a friend, McGloon. Yeah, sure you are. Jerry, if I'd have studied me lessons when I was a kid, I would be a gent like them monkeys over there, instead of a gumshoe like you and me. McGloon indicated a group of distinguished-looking men. I recognized two of them as Carter James and Harvey Paulson of the university faculty. Just then, a short man joined the group. That's Stuart Jackson, a new history prof. They're lunching him in a gold room. Boy, that's the life. Too mild for guys like us, McGloon. I glanced at my wristwatch. Got stood up, huh? Goodbye now. I'm not leaving. Just have to make a phone call. I pushed open the phone booth door... And didn't have to make the call. Because there was Joey Greer, slumped on the floor of the booth, stabbed in the back. I rolled him over, and from his hand fell a scrap of paper with some numbers scrawled on it. There'd never be safety in numbers for Joey again. Because he was very dead. A man who promised to sell me some information about a hot money ring was murdered. And in his hand I found some numbers scrawled on a scrap of paper. Lieutenant Dawson of Homicide put his feet up on his desk. Joey was asking to be killed. He knew too much, Jerry. Sure, but where's the knife, Dawson? What about those numbers on the paper? The knife will turn up, and the numbers, probably track entries or odds. Joey must have been calling his bookie when he got it in the back. Joey didn't play the horses. Dawson shrugged. Okay, you figure it out. You're good at figures. Back at my office, I brooded over that scrap of paper. There were three sets of four-digit numbers written one below the other in a column. They read 1815-1066-1492. They could add up to anything. Phone numbers, street addresses, or Joey's profits on payoffs. I tried the phone number routine first. Coupled each of the numbers with every telephone exchange from Alhambra to Zenith. It took four hours and got me nothing but a sore arm and a big phone bill. I thought of working with street addresses, but we've got over a thousand streets in town. Joey wouldn't leave me an impossible clue like that. About 7 p.m. that evening, I finally gave up. Drove to the home of John Manfred, head of the District Banking Association. Mr. Manfred, I need advice. Look. I showed him the numbers, told him my story. 
Well, this can't be a list of bills, Jerry. Money numbers run into eight digits, and they're always preceded and followed by a series letter. However, let me copy the numbers. I'll work on them tonight, and you meet me at my office first thing in the morning. Banker's hours, in spite of what you may have heard, start awful early. At 8.15, John Manford and I were at work covering sheets of paper with possible combinations. Suddenly, that time element gave me an idea. And look, Mr. Manfred, could these figures possibly be dates or hours, like uh, 1066 being uh, October 6th at 6 o'clock? Possibly. You explore that angle. I'll check to see whether the numbers represent amounts deposited by Greer in any banks. Well, what we got for our double effort was nothing. Police blunders showed that October 6th had been an extremely quiet day. And as for Joey Greer's deposits, he had an account with the 4th National, but it was singularly inactive. No deposits, no withdrawals since the 4th of last August. And that was that. So I tried the most fantastic way I could think of. I called on Professor Zorokin, numerologist. Very simple. We totaled the column. Uh, we arrive at the sum 4,373. Now we add these digits horizontally. Oh, yes, comes up the mystic number 17. Add these and we get the highly significant numeral 8. 8 means wait. When were you born, Mr. Browning? I grabbed the column of figures from the professor. Skip it, I'm in no mood for razzmatazz. Professor Zorokin was offended. Mr. Browning, police, you haven't let me finish. The number eight is most significant. Think of its role in civilization. It was the eighth king of England, Henry, who achieved great things for his nation, over and above his amazing marital record. It was the eighth president of the United States, Martin Van Buren, who put the treasury of this country on the Farm Foundation. Uh, Mr. Browning, where are you going? Now I knew where I could get help. That word history had rung a bell in my brain. I remembered a verse we'd all chanted as kids. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. 1492 was one of the numbers, and I was catching on fast to the other two. I saw Stuart Jackson between classes at the university. Mr. Jackson, you've been pointed out to me as a history expert. I would like you to confirm something for the police files. Jackson took a look at the numbers, and his face went white. You can prove nothing. None of these towns link up to me. My record is clear. I blinked. And then, because I know a guilty guy when I see one, it's no use, Jackson. We found the knife with your fingerprints on it. He wilted fast after that, admitted he was the brains of the hot money ring, and that he killed Joey Greer to keep him from revealing that fact. But he didn't count on Joey's kind of mind. Joey knew he was dying and scrawled a simple code. 1066, the Battle of Hastings. Everybody knows that one. 1815, the Battle of Waterloo. 1492, Columbus. What did it spell out? The names of cities. Hastings, Nebraska. Waterloo, Iowa. Columbus, Ohio. The three cities in which the hot money ring shuffled stolen currency around. After Jackson's confession, federal agents rounded up the whole gang. But it's a funny thing. We never did find the murder weapon, the knife Jackson said he hid in a potted palm in the hotel lobby... I suppose the souvenir hound got it. They'll take anything. But by then, we didn't need it for a conviction. Like I said, when a criminal makes a date with death for somebody else, he generally makes one for himself as well. 